Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. This is John Katsimatidis. It's Wednesday. We're halfway through the week, and my God, we can go around New York City. The United Nations people are almost gone. Yeah, thank goodness. What thank a mess goodness. it was. Oh, my God, it was a mess. What a mess it was. If you came to New York, you were in deep uh, doo-doo. Uh, in the studio today, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King. And back from the Far East, far, far East, we have... Uh, Used to be chief of staff to Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, Tony Carbonetti. How are you, Tony? All is good, John. The U.N. was great to me. I think I ate at Avra nine times in the last week and a half. Oh, oh that's a good God. place. Yeah, that's they all love spot. it. Everyone loves we it. We all ate. Whatever, whatever restaurant was walking distance, we ate. You yeah. Can't, you couldn't take a car anywhere. It was brutal. And brutal. Uh, Peter King, Congressman, I understand three and a half hours to get in last week. Actually, three hours after I got here, I, I, they, they showed. I was just I, circling, I, Peter. Right? No, the, I, I was going across town like in fifty. You couldn't make any any street going south at all. Then they send you around, and then you, it was closed. It was, uh, but oh, John, for you and Reader, I did it. I Thank stayed you. There. Thank well, you. Well, we got a great show today. We have wow. Senator Rand Paul. We're waiting for him to call in. Uh, Andrew McCarthy is going to tell us about what the heck is going on with uh, with President Trump and new stuff on Hunter Biden uh, yep. and also Ryan Tex- Priebus. Yes, what's, what's happening? Uh, the, with the debate tonight, and uh, well, that's going to be a nice discussion amongst ourselves. Texas Governor Greg Abbott that's is in one. New York City, and uh, Greg Abbott will uh, be joining us. Uh, at about uh, 5.40 or 5.30 tonight? I can't wait. Uh, that is a huge issue of what's going on in the border. And then Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and we'll let we'll let his ex-chief of staff uh, dis- you know, discuss uh, things with him. Absolutely. And, and also, John, by the way, crime is a huge issue that crime, they're going to be talking huge. about. You had an attack also that happened. You were talking about it at one of the stores. Night, one of our stores uh, on 20th Street. Uh, Second Avenue? Is that that, uh, First Avenue, right? First uh. Avenue. Uh, the, uh, one of our clerks and got into an altercation with a shoplifter. They went right through the window. Wow. wow. Both, both wow. of them have a lot of stitches. And, you know, New York cannot go on like this. You got, uh, CVS has said they're closing 900 stores. Uh, Target, Target is closing stores. Walmart is closing stores. You know, the people, the, the, don't they realize you can't go on like this? Oh, we, I understand we yep. have the senator on. Rita, bring the senator back. Exactly. We have now Senator Rand Paul, of course, of the great state of Kentucky, also a doctor as well. And Senator Paul, we are so thrilled to have you here on Cats and Cosby. You know, we, we've been talking about crime and just the impact of what's happening in this country. Uh, cities can't sustain it, not just New York, but cities across the country. Between that and the migrants, uh, we are getting squeezed in every direction. Well, you know, the images aren't really enticing me to come to New York or San Francisco or any of these Democrat-run cities anytime soon. Well, what a mess we have, and I understand you're going to talk to us about uh, one of your best friends, Dan Fauci. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, the thing is, with, uh, and, Fauci, we keep, we keep wondering when the day is going to come that he'll be indicted. But, you know, that would take a Department of Justice uh, that was actually objective and cared about the law. And I think what we've seen so far from Merrick Garland is that I think he cares more about protecting 
his partisans than he does about any kind of commitment to the law. You know, um, Senator Rand Paul, speaking of Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, you probably saw this, that he secretly went to the CIA headquarters to influence the probe, the COVID-19 probe. Where where do you think things stand in terms of the investigation into COVID? And, and this president sure has been soft on China. I think there's a lot that's still unknown. I am completely convinced that the virus came from the lab, both for scientific reasons but also for a great deal of circumstantial evidence and the fact that the Chinese have been dishonest with us. With regard to the CIA, the story is that the CIA looked at the evidence and concluded six to one that they thought it came from the lab. And then somehow, mysteriously, their vote changed. Now, there are some that say that Fauci was meeting with the CIA at this time. That's possible. There are some say that he influenced this decision, but I'd say the reverse is also possible. It's possible that Fauci was going to the CIA and someone at the CIA is influencing Fauci. The reason why I say this is in early 2020, when there's a meeting of all these different virologists and they all are saying, my goodness, the virus looks manipulated and we're also suspicious because we know they're doing gain of function research in Wuhan. It sounds like Fauci is actually truly interested within about a day or so. All of a sudden, everything reverses, and they put out a paper saying you're a crackpot and you're a conspiracy theorist if you believe this, while they're privately admitting that they think this is what happened. My question really is this, and I don't answer yet, but I'm going to find out. Did Fauci influence the CIA, or was there someone at the CIA that actually influenced Fauci? I do believe he went there. We're trying to get his records of the trips to the CIA. But as you know, the CIA is not real forthcoming. And so this has been a slog all the way through because Democrats have opposed any investigation of this. But this is a big deal. And it's interesting how these so-called scientists also seem to be intertwined so closely with the intelligence community. Well, you know, my my three questions on Fauci was and I'm I'm the the famous guy that interviewed him on January 25th. And I know uh, uh, all the news networks were playing that interview. Yeah, that made a lot of headlines. Yes. And uh, it it comes down to a uh, he was in cahoots uh, with the Chinese. B, that he trusted the Chinese friends so much that he actually believed them Or, or C. Uh, he was making a profit. I mean, I don't know what the truth The truth is, I don't know what the truth is. John, it sounds like the senator's throwing a D in there that might be the CIA asked him not to finger the Chinese. Well, is we, that what you're we, saying, we, Senator? There's a great deal of evidence that the CIA um, is more concerned with our cooperation with China than they are with the truth. So we know that an inspector general looked at this at the CIA and came to the conclusion that there were analysts over there suppressing information that would indicate that this came from the lab. The reason they were suppressing this was because they perceived Donald Trump to be um, supporting the theory that it came from China. They perceived him as being an opponent of China, and they felt like that this was wrong, so they were going to suppress information. But this is going on throughout all of government. When people talk about the deep state, there truly is a deep state. There are people who are um, bringing forth their beliefs. Now, as far as money, I don't know that Fauci's getting paid enough by the taxpayer and he's getting all this money on the side, but I don't think it's directly money. I think it's the grand business of science and the fact that millions and billions of dollars are changing hands and they see the cooperation with China as a way to sort of outsource some of the dangerous research 
But there's also money going from China to American researchers, from America to Chinese researchers. And so they're so intertwined, but they consider the business of science to be more successful the more that's going on between the countries. So they, even when they believed it to be true that it came from the lab, they thought it would be bad politics. So they were willing to suppress the truth to keep uh, better relations with China. Senator, I'm, I'm going to give you the truth guilt trip. China stopped sending the, the, all the, their airplanes to the rest of China uh, immediately, kept them going to the United States, to New York and Italy for three additional weeks. Why? I mean, they knew it because why would they stop sending it to the rest of China? Well, we also know that the virus in all likelihood was beginning early in the fall of 2019. We know that the three people that were first reported to be sick worked in Dr. Xi's lab at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We actually have had their names reported in the media now, and we know that they got sick. Whether they knew it was going to be the pandemic, they all worked in a lab with with live viruses. And so they knew something was going on very early. They knew the sequence of the virus a couple of weeks before we knew it. They had a vaccine in February 2020, and nobody thinks you can develop a vaccine, even an mRNA one, that quickly. So there's a lot of evidence that the Chinese have been dishonest with us. Whether or not it was, I I still tend to think it was more accidental than purposeful. My main reason for that is if you really wanted a purposeful pandemic to start, you'd get 10 people infected, you'd put them all on a plane to New York, and you'd try to get those those airplanes did. I live in New York, Senator. They did come to Wuhan a couple months before. Senator, they did come to New York. I live here, and they had they had stopped them for. Three full weeks going to the rest of China. Uh, Judge Weinberg. Yeah, but there still is a huge yes. pandemic in China. My point is that if you were going to do this, in all likelihood, you would probably do it uh, such that there wasn't such a pandemic in, um, you know, in China as well. Senator, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. What about the World Health Organization? What was their role, if any, in this whole situation? You know, I think the World Health Organization has been big proponents of gain-of-function research. For years, uh, both the World Health Organization and USAID through our government have taken this um, this challenge from Bill Gates to identify all the viruses in the world. The problem is, is they not only identify viruses, they take viruses from remote uh, areas underground, several hundred feet underground in remote areas. They take these viruses, cultivate them, but bring them back to metropolitan areas. So they may take a virus that's very, very dangerous, but never encountering mankind, take it to a metropolitan area, and then it leaks from the lab. But it's even worse than that. The WHO and USAID and Bill Gates think that when you take the virus back to the metropolitan area, that we should then manipulate the virus by seeing if we can change it somehow genetically to make it more infectious to humans. And they say this will predict its behavior. There's no evidence that it predicts behavior, but there is evidence they create dangerous viruses that don't exist in nature. But this has all been part of the WHO. All It's been this mainstream position of Fauci and others that the knowledge gained is worth the risk. In fact, Fauci's quoted in 2012 as saying this explicitly, that the risk of a pandemic is worth the knowledge that we gain. And I would beg to differ, and the million Americans who died from this, I think their families would be quite upset to know that Tony Fauci said even if we get a pandemic, it's worth the knowledge. Oh, my God. Wow. No, Senator, uh, uh, we got a minute left. Tell us, you got a new book out. Give us the name of your book. It's called Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up. 
It goes into the extensive cover-up that happened in our government, beginning with the Chinese government, but then in our government it well, as well throughout uh, several different departments of government, through dozens and dozens of different research proposals. And ultimately, we're going to bring to light the entire cover-up and particularly Tony Fauci's uh, lead role in that. And it's available now uh, at Barnes & Noble and at Amazon? Yes, you can order it now. It'll be uh, released on October 10th, and uh, we're looking forward to it, and uh, it's going to be, I think, an exciting time. you got to come back on also when the book comes out, too. We'd and love we, to have you back. We look forward to talking about the book more. That'll be great. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Rita, I understand uh, we have uh, Ms. McCarthy on? Yep, we have a former assistant U.S. attorney, Andy McCarthy, joining us now. Big news. Um, Andy, first off, there is so much on the Hunter Biden front and on the Trump business front. Uh, what's your reaction to now this latest thing? A Manhattan judge finds Donald Trump liable of wide-scale fraud, essentially stripping him of his New York business licenses. It's like, okay, uh, four indictments isn't enough. Now let's go after the businesses, too. Well, you know, Rita, I've said for a long time, I think people were making a mistake going to sleep on the fraud case and and concentrating as much as they did on the criminal stuff because, you know, the fraud case not only was like an existential event for Trump. I mean, basically, he's being put out of business. Um, But... You know, the problem from a political standpoint in having civil litigation as opposed to criminal litigation, I mean, it's terrible to be indicted and to have that stigma and all that stuff. But in a in a civil case, the, the person who is the defendant, who's uh, who's accused in the cause of action, is actually expected to do stuff as opposed to in a criminal case where you can just remain silent and the burden is completely on uh, the government. So, you know, Trump has had to give testimony. He's been exactingly questioned about, uh, you know, business practices that go back decades. Uh, and this could be very this could be very damaging from him, not just financially, but but politically. And I guess what I where I come out on it after looking at this Judge Engeron's decision is that two things can be true. One is that um you know, Trump has a habit of embellishing, if we can be, uh, you know, polite and euphemistic here. Uh, and he has done that to a fairly well uh, in his uh, business documents over the years. But the other thing that's true is that this statute that he's been uh, that this action comes under is monstrous, because in this case, there's not a single victim. No one's there's no allegation by the by the state that anybody lost a dime on account of Trump uh, overstating the value of his assets, which he appears to have done to a, you know, to a phenomenal. But a, lot of people, a lot of people do that, Andrew. You know, I, I look at one of my buildings, I say, I think that building is worth right. a billion dollars. They teach that at a real estate school, it, don't they, John? It, <laughs> it doesn't mean that anybody's going to offer me a billion dollars. It doesn't mean the bank is going to borrow based on that. And the bank does its yeah, own due diligence. They send their own independent yeah. people out. Yeah, the banks by regulation yeah. and the hedge funds by regulation have their own uh, appraisers that you can't even pick the appraiser. The, the guy that owns the yeah, hot dog stand will tell you his business is worth a billion dollars. Come on. It's New York. Yeah. Now, yeah now, well, and, right, then, right. and then the it's judge just, says that the, the Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. If one, <laughs> one, one condo yes. Mar-a-Lago is probably worth $18 million. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, he says more than that. I mean, what he says is that Trump uh, took Mar-a-Lago 
with an agreement to all kinds of uh, restrictions that encumbered the property so that if you had to sell the property encumbered by the restrictions, it would be worth somewhere between 18 and $27 million. I must say, by, by, by the way, the fact that they say, you know, every time the judge talks about a, an appraisal, he says, the appraisal says like between 18 and 27 million, or the appraisal says between 104 and 217 million. You know, there's so much wiggle room in the appraisals. You kind of understand why Trump ends up saying, Welcome you know, to New York. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not an exact, exact science. So my thing about this in a nutshell is the, the violation here is the ancient law that the punishment should fit the crime. And if you have a situation here where, the, yes, okay, he overstated the value of his assets, but they, this is the death penalty that they're imposing under circumstances where nothing happened to anyone. There's not a, there's not a bank that exactly. can come in and say, you know, we missed a payment or, or an insurance company says he didn't pay a premium. But there's not a victim. And, and I think if you're going to kill somebody, there should be a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Andy, this is Pete Kang. How does this look on appeal? Because, again, there's no victim here. There's no complainant other than the attorney general. How does it look on appeal to you? I'm going to say what you just said or or what you guys just said collectively, which is this is New York. I don't um, I I mean, it looks to me like the like the sanction here is way out of bounds. And maybe if this was a, uh, you know, way out of bounds, given what the the extent of the offense is. And if it was a federal case or a federal claim, I, I could imagine a lawyer going in and saying, you know, under the Eighth Amendment, or the, the punishment has to fit the crime, and this is just too out of whack. But New York is, um, you know, you know it better than I do. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's a legal system where everybody's elected as opposed to appointed. And I, I have to say, these laws are monstrous. I mean, it looks to me like I don't know what company. I'm not saying that that, that businesses routinely do a, a, um, embellishment to the extent that Trump may have done here, but it would be very hard for even the most scrupulous business if the state decided to turn all of its apparatus on you and use this law, which apparently doesn't require any intent to defraud. Any materiality of a misrepresentation, you don't have to show that anybody relied on anything. Uh, you're dealing with sophisticated financial actors who know that they have to do their own due diligence, no matter what the other side says. And yet they're, you know, they're putting them out of business. To yeah. me, that's like yeah. well, that's way, why way I, out of whack. That's why I said, Andy, yeah. like they went, they did the four it's, indictments. It's, now it's crazy. It's, right. It is crazy. And it, it should not stand up and. And I think the American people are getting disgusted with what's going on. Andy McCarthy, thank you so much for calling in. we got to take a hard break, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you, Andy. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Let's take that hard break, and when we come back, uh, we're coming back with Ryan's Priebus to tell us what the heck is going on tonight with the uh, debate. The debates. And then you stand by right after Ryan's Priebus. We have Governor Abbott is in New York today in the studio And let's see what he has to say. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Of course, everybody watching the big debate tonight. It's the second one. And joining us now is Reince Priebus, chairman of the Republican National Committee. He was for a number of years, also White House chief of staff, uh, and also overseeing the convention, uh, the RNC convention that's going to be happening next summer. Uh, and joining us now is Reince. Reince, uh, is it do or die for some candidates tonight? It's seven of them. Is it make or break time? Well, hey, good you guys. Um, yeah, I think it is make or break time. I mean, I, I do think that when someone's running 40 points ahead of the field, that it's make or break time for one or two candidates to either break out of the field or, you know, fold up the tent. And it's it, now is the time. It's either going to be, you know, within the next few weeks, it's got to happen. But Ryan, it's Tony Carbonetti. It's not like they're even running to take him on because he's not going to ever engage them. Well, he's not going to engage them. You're right, but you know they, they've got to. They, they're you know as I said before on some on a show, Donald Trump is the Bruce Springsteen of the MAGA movement, and if they want to attract people, these other candidates want to attract people to what they're selling. They they got to be more than a cover band because if people had a choice between Bruce Springsteen or the cover band, they're going to take Bruce Springsteen. So, but they have to wait for him to lose his voice because he, he he's <laughs> yeah, ne- he's never going to have the band showdown with them. So they're waiting for him to lose his voice. Yeah, you know that's a good point. I, I it, that's true, but I think what the what these the folks on the stage tonight have to figure out over the next couple of weeks is. You know, who are the one or two candidates that are going to run? And if you're Donald Trump's campaign manager, you couldn't have put together a better result after the last debate, which was instead of having one candidate as being the, the, the person in the lead, now you've got three with a little bit less of a following uh, and just spreading out the the remaining field. It, it, it couldn't be in any better shape right now. You, but you think he would engage if it was one person, if the party Maybe. galvanized behind just, one person, you think listen, he'd engage them? If it was one person and, you know, Trump said 70 and the other person said 30, maybe. I mean, you're making a good point. I'm not I, I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly is at this point a uphill climb for anyone running against Donald Trump, and that's without a doubt. But certainly when seven people on the stage are running with, you know, three at like maybe 10% or 9%, it's even easier for sure. Donald Trump. Hey, Ron, this is Pete King. First of all, it's good to hear your voice. I just want to ask you, how much more relaxed is your life now? You're still putting Baileys on your cereal in the morning? Or <laughs> no. How was life yeah, treating no, you? Wait, was he putting Baileys on a cereal? He said he had to do that every yeah, morning. That was the old joke. Yeah, oh, my God, I'm jealous. Straight Baileys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm jealous, right? Yeah, you just start off the morning right, and, and that's what I had to do for many years at the RNC. But, no, it's actually great, and and thanks for asking. I hope you're also doing well. I'm sure you are. All's good. Um, Life is good, but also have, you know, I've inherited this other volunteer job of running the post committee for the 2024 right. convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I got 
I got myself wrapped up into that thinking, well, you know, I'll help out. It you know, may not come to Milwaukee. could go somewhere else, but I'll be helpful here. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're in the throws. Now, uh, right. Now, so the, all the things if I somebody wants to get involved, let, let me let me right. plug you. Ryan, let me plug you. If somebody wants to get involved in, the, uh, in, in Milwaukee, do you have a website that they can contact you? Yep. Uh, it's the MKE Convention 2024. Uh, you just go to the the website, but um, you know you can DM us on on Twitter. Uh, go to the website, um, and you can find out everything you need to find out. Thanks for asking, John. And, you know, I want to ask you, Ryan's too. This is really interesting, Ryan's Priebus, because Gavin Newsom is going to the debate tonight. I want to get back to the debate um, because Newsom is sort of picked, which I found interesting that the White House kind of appointed him to be in the spin room to rebut, obviously, all the GOP candidates. But he looks like sort of the guy waiting in the wings to maybe replace Biden. I found it interesting that they picked him. I think I would, you know, obviously it's his state. But what what role do you think he's going to play? And do you think that's going to elevate Gavin Newsom and remind people that there's a spry Democrat versus what we see in the White House? Well, you never never hold it past them to be having some kind of plan in their back pocket. Look, when the poll came out the other day that showed Donald Trump 10 points up on the Democrats, and there's other polls that show Donald Trump ahead of Joe Biden and in the margin, that's this is all happening now because Democrats are trying to spin themselves up to say, look, are, are we really going to let Joe Biden move forward here? and get his clock cleaned by Donald Trump, which, of course, is the Democrats' the most unimaginable nightmare that they could ever draw out on a piece of paper is for Trump to be reelected. So, you know, what's interesting about this, everyone, is that you really have to understand how primaries work in political parties. This is not like, you know, next year sometime in the spring Biden can just say, like, well, maybe let's not do it. We'll have Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer. Because to get on the ballot, to be on a primary ballot, there are 20 states this year that the deadlines are this year to get on the ballot, to be on a primary ballot across the country. So it's not so easy to just say, okay, well, Biden's not going to run. Let's just throw someone else in there. There's a big legal and and an entire volunteer network of people to get signatures for all of these ballots in all of these states. But I do, I do think that this Gavin Newsom issue is all meant to stir the pot that if Joe Biden doesn't run, I mean, he's my, he's who I think will be the, if it's not Biden, it'll be Newsom. And I know a lot of Republicans say, Oh no, they're not going to pick a liberal from California. Uh, just if if not Biden. So breaking uh, news, Ryan Priebus predicts if it's not Biden, it's going to be Newsom. <laughs> yeah, and, and Newsom has a You're trip on the international stairs. news. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you know, look, they're still going to have to have a primary, yes. so they're still going to have to fight each other out. They're not. No one's going to get crowned the winner. But those deadlines are real. Congressman King knows it. Every people, you know, getting the signatures in, even for a congressman that's been in office for a while, like Congressman King used to be, he had a group of volunteers and they went around and they signed their petitions and he had to turn them into the state. 
it's an entire process. It doesn't just happen. Right, and you're right, and you know you're a a real a real veteran in Wisconsin, you know, at the state level, and you saw all that had to go on to get candidates on the ballot. It's not as easy as people think. It's you know, just put easy. out a name and give the guy the nomination. It doesn't work that way. No, in Virginia's got you need ten thousand votes or ten thousand signatures. You need ten thousand in North Carolina. Um, it takes volunteers and a lot of money. So yeah. if Joe Biden's bowing out, he's got maybe two months max to make it happen. Understood. Uh, Ryan's Priebus, thank you for serving America and doing everything you did for America. And uh, we're going to catch up with you again real soon. We'll be watching the debate tonight. And uh, uh, God bless. We're keeping uh, Governor Abbott waiting. He's here in the studio. He's up next. And uh, Ryan's Priebus, we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Great. Good for having Governor Abbott. Take thank care. You, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. And coming up, Governor Abbott, uh, coming up after Let's the break. Let's take that break first. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. I swale along the trail deep in the heart of Texas. And we are talking about Texas and the border. And, John, why don't you bring in our great guest here in the studio? With us today is Governor Abbott from the great state of Texas. And uh, so many things are happening in our country. Uh, so many controversies happening between Texas and uh, New York City. And uh, welcome to New York, uh, Governor Abbott. Great to be back. Thank you so much. Um, tell us what the heck is going on in Texas because you guys are are right at the border. You are fighting the world. You, you, and um, you tell us. Sure. Listen, I, I know here in New York, uh, you all are dealing with the, the crisis at the border with the number of migrants coming here. The fact of the matter is, uh, your listeners across the country, whether they're in Chicago or L.A. or places in between, they too are dealing with it. But the extent to which people in these large cities across the country are dealing with it is minuscule compared to what we deal with on the border Every single day. Let me just give you a couple of pieces of math. Last year, uh, there were 2.3 million people who crossed the border who were apprehended. There were actually more than that, some who were not apprehended. The number of people that came across the border last year was larger than the population of Houston, Texas. This year, there will be even more. There will be more than 2.4 million people coming across the border. In small towns on the border like Eagle Pass, Eagle Pass, Texas, has a population of 28,000 people. In one day, they had about 10,000 people be dumped off in Eagle Pass, Texas. One-third of the population were illegal migrants. And as a result, Texas is stepping up and having to take measures that no state has ever taken before. We have deployed the Texas National Guard to build border barriers. These barriers are made out of Constantina razor wire that deny illegal entry into the state of Texas. Texas is building its own border wall, the, the exact same wall that President Trump put up. We are adding in the state of Texas, coming out of Texas taxpayers' pockets to build that wall. We have the Texas Department of Public Safety deployed to the border, and they are, for one, uh, going after cartel activity, but for another, they are making arrests of Ill- illegal immigrants who are trespassing in the state of Texas, some of whom they are returning right back across the border. And uh, we're working to crack down on deadly fentanyl. The Texas Department of Public Safety alone has seized enough fentanyl to kill every 
man, woman, and child in the entire United States of America. There are untold people alive today because Texas law enforcement took fentanyl off the streets as it was coming across the border. So, but what we are dealing with uh, is catastrophic numbers. And what happens is when, when a small town like Eagle Pass has people dropped off in their locations, we are helping them by putting these migrants on buses and sending them to places like New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, L.A., and other locations. Have you figured out, I mean, I've asked many people, why President Biden is allowing this to happen? So it, it, it's truly insane. Let, let, let's first help your audience understand the backdrop. A president can truly secure the border. Just three years ago, under President Trump, we had the fewest illegal border crossings in 40 years because of four simple policies. The Remain in Mexico policy, the Title 42 policy, the end of catch and release, and building the border wall. When Biden was elected, he eliminated all four of those policies and instituted his open border policies. Why he is doing this is literally crazy. The only thing we can can conclude is he's trying to appease and appeal to the leftist progressives of the Democrat Party who, for whatever reason, think it's to their benefit to have this chaos occurring across the country. We know from the polling data, two-thirds of Americans think uh, that they disapprove of Biden's approach to the border. And I think it could be one of several reasons why Joe Biden will likely lose this upcoming election. Well, we have 13 or 14 months going to the election, and America has to decide. That's the big decision, I guess, uh, because we will decide which way our country is going. Um, in addition, I, I see, I believe in immigration, but I was uh, uh, vice chairman of the Ellis Island Foundation, and I, the Ellis, Ellis, Ellis Island was built for immigration, but we checked people. I want to make sure people are not terrorists. That people are not drug dealers. Uh, people are not coming into with diseases uh, into our country, and uh, I'm concerned that some of the kids that are going to go to school are going to be sitting next to American kids uh, and might get diseases from them. So all I'm saying is, why isn't there more law and order on allowing these people in? And uh, I, nobody can give the right answer. I even suggested to, to Mayor Adams set up an Ellis Island operation. And then we haven't gotten any uh, relief yet. Yeah. So one thing is clear. Joe Biden has knowingly abandoned law and order. He is completely not enforcing the immigration laws that already exist. I handed Joe Biden a letter listing five things that he could do based upon current law in the United States uh, that would deny illegal entry. Listen, you mentioned something very important that your audience needs to know about. Uh, and that is under Joe Biden. That there has been a record number of people coming across the border who were on the terrorist watch list. And know this, people, everybody coming across the border pays money to the cartels. People who are on the terrorist watch list, they pay even more money to not be caught. And if we've caught a record number of people on the terrorist watch list, think of all those who paid extra money to make sure they were not caught. Joe Biden has failed at the fundamental responsibility of national security. There are terrorists who are roaming the streets in the United States because of Joe Biden's open border policies. Understood. 
You have uh, important elections coming up in 2024. Have you announced who you're supporting yet? I have. I will be announcing uh, at the appropriate time in a way that will hopefully have the greatest impact on the outcome of the election. Understood. Any favorites for vice president yet? None whatsoever. Understood. Just you guys are tough guys down there. And the business is soaring. People are moving in from California. People are moving in from all over the, the, the country because uh, you run a good, uh, good state. Um, some of these migrants coming in, are they trying to resettle in Texas? So, uh, your and how does that affect the, the next vote? Sure. Well, your, your first point is, is the economy in Texas is the best economy in the United States. We last year had about 450,000 people moving into the state of Texas. That's more than 1,200 people a day moving in, into the state of Texas. Last year, Texas became home to more Fortune 500 company headquarters than any other state. Business is going faster. Texas last year added far more new jobs than any other state in the country. And so business is booming in the state of Texas. Economic opportunity exists in Texas more prolifically than any other state. With regard to the migrants coming in, most are not resettling in Texas. They're going elsewhere in the United States. Venezuela. President Biden has said the Venezuelans are going to get a special dispensation in and 500,000 of them will be given green cards or whatever he's going to give them. Um, how does that affect things? So these across-the-board dispensations are illegal. I was the one who ensured that. Uh, one of the last lawsuits I brought uh, when I was the Attorney General of Texas before I became Governor of Texas uh, was the DAPA lawsuit uh, that was deferred action for parents uh, who were here illegally. And uh, President Obama had granted them across the board amnesty. And we went to the United States Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court agreed with us that the president did not have that authority. And a similar ruling came out concerning DACA. And now another lawsuit is going to be filed because of this across-the-board dispensation by President Biden. Uh, and it's clearly unconstitutional. The president does not have that authority. Under Article One, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, it's Congress that is given the authority to set the migration rules, not the President of the United States. The President cannot just make it up on the fly as he goes along. Now, uh, you're, thank you for coming to New York and visiting with us. And as you go down Park Avenue, you're going to see the J.P. Morgan building. It's going to be 1,400 feet tall. But I understand you got more J.P. Morgan Chase employees in Texas than we have in New York. And I, I scratch my head and I say, will that building ever be full? But, and I don't think they're leaving Texas. So J.P. Morgan is, is expanding rapidly in Texas. So is Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs is building a, a new series of buildings in Texas and downtown Dallas. Uh, we will have more Goldman Sachs employees, more J.P. Morgan employees. Uh, there are, will be more employees in the financial sector in Texas than in New York. And so whether it be the, the home of finance or, or other areas, Texas really is the, the leading sector, so much so. One thing I'm doing while I'm here in New York, uh, I'll be ringing the closing bell tomorrow uh, because Texas is announcing we have our own ETF made up only of companies that have their headquarters in the state of Texas that's uh, performing remarkably well in the stock market. i like to know that. What's that ETF symbol? TXS. So it's, it's all the letters of Texas without the vowels. And, wow, 
we got a minute left. What would you like to tell all, all New Yorkers and all Americans? For New Yorkers and Americans who are fed up, who are angry, uh, who are perplexed uh, about what's going on at the border, there's something they can do. First, they need to recognize this is all because Joe Biden has abandoned any pretense of the rule of law. Second, they must demand that Joe Biden reinstate the rule of law, enforce the immigration laws, stop illegal immigration into the United States, and vote accordingly in the next election. Last question. You're in New York today. Uh, are you going to meet with Mayor Adams? So I've got a full slate. We'll see what happens over the course of the day. Uh, i got meeting after meeting after meeting. We'll see if we have time. Thank you so much, uh, Governor, and you have a great state. I look forward to visiting real soon. I think uh, uh, my son will be there this weekend. And uh, There you go. God bless you, God bless Texas, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great interview, John. Uh, and also, Governor, thank you so much for joining us. Wow, wow, wow. Really, I, I, Peter King, when you hear this, and we're just hearing from the governor here and his expressions, uh, what he, you just heard him saying, what a mess it is at the border, what a disaster it is. Your thoughts as to what's going on with this president vis-a-vis? You know, the irony is that Joe Biden is accusing Donald Trump of being a threat to democracy. And here we have a president refusing to enforce the law by uh, having a secure border, a person who is uh, basically rewriting the law, which he has no power to do, to give these Six, whatever, 500,000 Venezuelans to just allow them to stay in. He has no right to do that. We can get down the list where Joe Biden does what he wants to do, uh, things which Donald Trump never thought of doing. So to me, it's hypocrisy. And also, the judge and Tony and I were saying before, we totally understand why Governor Abbott did what he did. I mean, uh, I think it was a great service to the country by showing yeah. showing the rest of the country what the migrant and, issue and really is. Judge, I saw you talking to uh, the governor. The, the yeah, governor no, I'm sliding out right here. And, what did he tell you? He said something to you. All right. It was very interesting. You know, because Mayor Adams said that uh, Governor Abbott was a madman for sending these people to New York. And Governor Abbott said to me, look, I was sending them to Washington, D.C. I wasn't sending them to New York until – Eric Adams started screaming about you sending all these people from Texas to New York. So he said, well, I'm being accused of doing it, so I might as well do it. So that's what he did. Wow. And I, I don't think we actually really understood it until we had to live with it. I mean, can you imagine what the little towns in Texas are going through, the little border towns that don't have a $100 billion budget? They can't handle this. They can't. Uh, and, and in fact, in New York, you know what I was on the floors. Financially? Uh, they, he thinks that uh, J.P. Morgan uh, will always have more employees now in Texas than they have in New that. York. You knew that, John. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're building a uh, you know a very very large building on Park Avenue. And the second thing I was impressed with, they have a new they, tomorrow morning at the New York Stock Exchange. They're kicking off a new ETF. If the people in finance know about that, with all the Texas companies, so they're saying to you, listen. Texas, we're winners. Come and bet on Texas. You can have your own ETF on Texas companies, and and when Texas wins, you win. It's the free state of Texas. That's, That's what it, it is. The Houston let's Astros see. are probably part of that. I don't want it. <laughs> let's take a break, and when we come back, we got Rudy and uh, maybe uh, you know uh, Tony Carbonetti. You talk to your old boss. You know the guy, Tony. I heard I heard about him once. <laughs> the greatest mayor in New York City's history. You got it. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Lots of headlines because tomorrow is the first hearing for the impeachment inquiry and some big news coming out on the Hunter Biden front. Joining us now is America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Um, Rudy, we love having you on. Uh, you know, I want to get uh, first your reaction to this big news that just came out a little bit ago that Hunter Biden, according to the committee, uh, this is Comer's committee, wired uh, $250,000. Uh, the beneficiary uh, was the address listed in Wilmington. It was Joe Biden's. And the reason that that's significant is Joe Biden has come out all along. It happened in 2019 when Joe Biden's running for president. Joe Biden's all along said, my son never got a dime from China. I don't know anything. We we have some breaking news. Oh, what do we got? Uh, Breaking news. WABC. Read it up. All right. This just coming in related to all of this. DOJ ordered Hunter Biden investigations to remove any reference to Joe Biden in the Farah probe warrant. So, in other words, more blocking by the DOJ. In other words, no reference to the father, which is what the IRS whistleblowers and others have been saying all along. But the plot thickens, Rudy. Yeah, well, I mean, that indicates that the Justice Department is worthless. Uh, the Justice Department is a Biden state police, Biden state prosecutor. It might as well be in East Germany. I mean, the reality is the reason it's a violation of Farah is because he was lobbying his father. I don't know how you take his name out of it. Maybe they could put in the big guy or what was the other name? Mr. Pierce. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Robert L. Peters. And, you know, Rudy, what do you make of this money now that got sent to the uh, that it looks like, you you know, know, here's money from China. And Joe Biden's continuously said, no, my son never did anything with China. Well, it completely confounds me because three and a half years ago. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Two and a half years ago, I put out a text from Hunter Biden that says that for 30 years, I've paid all the expenses of the family and given half of my income to my father. Now they want to know if there's any evidence that he got money. That's called evidence that he got money. Somebody testifying that they gave you money is evidence that you got money. So, I mean, there are a thousand pieces of evidence that Joe Biden got money. This is just a physical indication carrying out what he said in that admission that he made. I believe the date was January 3rd, 2019. You can go check it. It's on the hard drive. Wow. So where do you see this impeachment inquiry going tomorrow? Uh, Do you think that there's going to be some eye-opening stuff? Yeah. uh, Maybe I'm, uh, you know, I never took this long to do a case in my whole life. Uh, the longest case I ever did was two years, and that was the commission of the mafia, which is a little more complicated than this. Uh, I don't understand the complex why they're making it so damn complex. There's more evidence against Joe Biden than any case I ever prosecuted in my whole life. Just sitting there, like I just described to you. I've never seen uh, evidence like this in a conspiracy case. Hunter lays out the entire conspiracy for you in an explanation of a RICO case that Professor Blakey would be very proud of. He's the one who wrote the statute. Uh, there, there are uh, somewhere around 100 discrete items of evidence that Joe Biden got money. Well, let's make it clear, got bribes to sell out the United States. 
And it's ridiculous that we're taking this long and keeping me in the White House. Not to mention the fact that he's mentally incompetent and has that little button right next to him. Mr. Mayor, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. So you just got sued, and Andy McCarthy just wrote a great article about it. They're opening up the door for all the investigation. Hunter Biden's lawyers are making a fool's errand because they get all that discovery about what Hunter Biden knew and what his relationship were. Yeah, they're accusing Dr. Costello and me of hacking. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know how to hack. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. Plus, in the law, in the lawsuit, he says it is it's his alleged uh, computer. So, I mean, the lawsuit is hypothetical. I get the first deposition. I will take it myself of Hunter Biden. Oh wow! Wow! When could Breaking that be? That, when could that be, Rudy? How, how far I will away? Take it myself. I mean, I I used to be able. I was pretty good at this, you know. There's no way Hunter Biden wants to sit on the other side of that table. Yeah, can you imagine? You should sell tickets. You should sell tickets to that, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, we can fill in a stadium. Radio City Music Club. He will not show up. Madison Square Garden on that one. Thank you, Rudy. And you were a great mayor, and we wish you were mayor still. Yeah, really. Hey, Rudy, keep punching. We love you, Rudy. Thank you. Don't worry. You know I will. Guys, love you. Love you. What do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.